You are listening to the Flea Flicker Podcast. What is up, everybody? I am your host, Ari Rumar, and you are currently listening to the Flea Flicker NFL Podcast. Today, I am joined by no one, and this is just going to be a solo podcast. Be on the lookout for another podcast later this week. I'm trying to get back into the grind because I literally haven't done anything for this podcast in the last two months. Um, there's a lot to talk about. Um, there was some championship games last weekend. Um, we have our Super Bowl matchup in two weeks. Um, and lots of other things that have been going on recently, news-wise, that deserve some consideration to be talked about. I haven't seen a lot of people talk about them, so I want to. Um, yeah, let's just jump right into it. So, recent news. Um, a few days ago, um, I'm just going to jump right into it. A few days ago, Adam Schefter, a.k.a. Shefty, a.k.a. Ian Rappaport's greatest friend, greatest enemy, I'm not really sure. Um, good old Shefty reported that, quote-unquote, the Bengals have no intention of trading the number one overall draft pick, no matter the interest from any other teams. So this is interesting because obviously this means that they want to draft Joe Burrow 100%. And like, I can see some benefits to this, wanting to draft Joe Burrow. And I just want to look at a few teams previously who traded high picks, and I want to see what they, what that did for them. So going all the way back to 2016, um, the Rams traded from 15th all the way up to number one with the Tennessee Titans. This is in 2016 when they drafted Jared Goff. Um, and I'm going to just read off the trade details. Um, the Titans received the fifth, 15th overall pick, two second round picks, one third, a 2017 first, and a 2017 third. And the Rams received the first pick, a fourth round pick, and a sixth round pick. And they drafted Jared Goff. And from those picks that they got, the um the Titans they traded they managed to draft um Jack Conklin using a couple other trades uh with the picks they drafted Austin Johnson so uh first off Jack Conklin he's like a perennial pro bowler at uh tackle and he's one of the best he helps that offense run very well Austin Johnson he's pretty much a backup he's never started a game he has two and a half career sacks he's nothing special then you get the big names, um, Derrick Henry, who single-handedly just carried his team to the championship game. Uh, Corey Davis, um, wide receiver. He's pretty much the wide receiver, too, on that team. Um, A.J. Brown has overtaken him. He's probably slightly above average, probably around average, maybe slightly above average as a wide receiver. And then you get Jono Smith, who's one of the better young tight ends in the league. So you get all that for essentially Jared Goff. Now... I want to, it looks like a haul. Like, I think I'd rather have all those, the five young core players, or four if you count out Austin Johnson because he's literally like a no name. But you got four really good players to help build around your team. And I just want to point out one thing they had Marcus Mariota and they barely did anything until they got the right QB, which they got this season by benching Marcus Mariota and starting Ryan Tannehill. Once they got the right QB to run their team, 
all those picks started mattering more. Jack Conklin, he was really building up, opening up lanes for Derrick Henry to run through and grind through defenses, all that. Without Ryan Tannehill, it wasn't possible. So I just want to emphasize, they weren't overly successful until they found their QB. That's literally what I wrote in my notes. They weren't overly successful until they found their QB. Talking about the Titans. So, sure, they got all those good players, but it led to nothing until they got a good QB. Um, moving on to another trade, um, the Colts, they pretty much uh, 2017, 2018, 2018 NFL Draft, the Colts traded their third overall pick to the Jets' sixth overall pick. And with that, they um, the Jets drafted Sam Darnold, quarterback from USC. And he's a pretty solid quarterback. People think he's going to be the franchise for the Jets. Solid pick, right? The Colts managed to draft Quentin Nelson, who's an all-pro. Braden Smith, who's a really good player, uh, offensive lineman. That's pretty much solidifies your entire offensive line right there. D'Amico Turry, I don't really know much about him. Jordan Wilkins, he's like the third uh, third back in that backfield. And Rockison, who's, to my knowledge, a decent DB. So, sure, they got like a pro bowler and an all-pro, but they fell off the map once Andrew Luck left. Once Andrew Luck retired, and I'm going to hit on surprise retirements later on. I think everyone knows what I'm going to hit on later. But once they lost their star QB, they fell apart. They they started, um, Jacoby Brissett this year, started off kind of hot, and then afterwards they just completely fell off the map. And that is literally because they didn't have a good QB. Now, so jumping back to the uh, uh, Bengals, I think not trading the first overall pick and drafting Joe Burrow is the correct move for a few reasons. First, let's talk let's talk about all the quarterbacks who were right there uh, who are borderline like first second round picks. The top 5 QBs that to my knowledge and I haven't watched any of these guys watch football uh, play football. I watched Joe Burrow play the cha- uh, the championship game for college and that's pretty much all I've seen. I've seen a little bit of Tua, right? Joe Burrow Tua Tungavailoa, Tagovailoa, however you say is Tagovailoa. I'm going to skip his last name. I'm assuming it's Tua Tagovailoa or Tungavailoa, however you pronounce it. Justin Herbert, the quarterback from Oregon. Jordan Love, the quarterback from... I should know this. I'm forgetting. Jacob Eason, the quarterback from Washington. All right? You have those five quarterbacks. I can't remember Jordan Love's school, but that's fine. So, Joe Burrow from LSU, Tua from Alabama, Herbert Oregon, Jordan Love from Mississippi State, no, Utah State, and Jacob Eason from Washington. I take Joe Burrow over all those quarterbacks in a heartbeat. The only quarterback that's even a debate is Tua, and he has slight injury history right now, and it's a kind of a question mark when it comes to his him being the same player after this broken hip that he suffered uh, for Alabama this year. So if you think that he's your guy, Joe Burrow's the guy who can turn around your franchise. Like, look at a team like the Titans. They they got a QB. They turned it all around. The Colts lost their QB. They fell apart. You look at so many other teams. Like, the the this might be more Sean McVay because golf isn't amazing, but... They got the right QB for that team, and boom, they're taking off. Versus like the Bears, they have Mr. Trubisky, he's garbage. Boom, they're not playing well. QB matters 
and I'm going to repeat it again, you cannot have success in the NFL if you do not have the right QB for your team. And if the Bengals believe that Joe Burrow can help turn around the, turn around their team, then go for it. I think one faulty thing they shouldn't have done is leak this information to people because you want to try to get that trade value up a little bit higher, I guess. But like I said, trade value doesn't matter for anything. If you believe Joe Burrow is going to come in and be a better quarterback than Andy Dalton, then by all means, go for it. Pull the trigger, get your guy. Now, talking about Joe Burrow, I hear lots of people, like for example, I hear um, Zach Shambler from uh, Strong Opinion Sports. He's saying how the the um, the Bengals, they have terrible management. And because of that, Joe Burrow is destined to fail. And I kind of agree with this. And I feel like he might fail, in all honesty. But some people are saying that he has no choice, that he is going to go to the Bengals. He has nothing he can do about it. But he actually does. Now, if people remember all the way back to 2004, we're recently retired, and by recently, I mean like literally retired, like yesterday, Eli Manning. He refused to play for the LA Char- uh, San Diego Chargers, who had the first overall pick at the time. And in doing so, he pretty much was like, I don't want to play for them. And the Chargers were like, ah, he's just messing around. There's no way. And then, boom, guess what? He got drafted by them, and he said, I'm not playing for you. And they traded him to the New York Giants, and they got Phillip Rivers in, in exchange for that trade. Joe Burrow has an option. I think it's a little, like, we don't really talk about it much because the NFL doesn't want players, I guess, going behind the backs of their teams, and you don't want to give them as much power. You want the teams to have the power. But in all reality, Joe Burrow has the power to avoid going to the Bengals if he wants to. Another report came out earlier this week. Um, Joe Burrow's dad saying he would be fine going to Cincinnati. He's an Ohio-raised kid, from my knowledge. And I heard that, from what I've heard, Bengals fans are extremely loyal. And I feel like if he grew up a Bengals fan, which I think he might have, then he might help turn around his childhood team. And that would be a great story, wouldn't it? Anyway, um, we're moving on from now. Um, I want to talk about the two teams that didn't make it to the Super Bowl this weekend. The two teams that got eliminated. Uh, in the NFC, the Green Bay Packers lost 37-20 to to the uh, San Francisco 49ers. And the Packers should be proud. I think their window is wide open right now. The Super Bowl window. Matt LaFleur is the right coach for that team. They literally just went 13-3 and after winning six games the previous year. Um, they won a playoff game. And really, they should be happy that they got out-talented last week. I don't think they got overly out-coached, but they got out-talented. And they have seven picks this year. Um, free agency is also a thing. The problem is they only, they're only they only 21st in cap space with $21 million, according to SpotTrack.com. But if they can retain some players, Brian Balaga, like a namely one of those guys, you... I think there's a few three main priorities for the Green Bay Packers this offseason. Three things they need to fix. One is the run defense. 100% the run defense. The few times they lost, they lost to my Philadelphia Eagles 
and they ran all over them. They had like 180 yards. They just lost to um, the 49ers in the championship games. Um, Raheem Mostert ran over them for like 220 yards. Every time they lose, it's because the other team is able to control the clock, and they're just ripping off 7, 8, 10, 20 yard chunks every single time they hand the ball off. The 49ers ran the ball 42 times against the Green Bay Packers. And Jimmy Garoppolo, the, the uh, 49ers quarterback, he threw for eight times, eight attempts. Eight attempts, he went six for eight, they ran it 42 times. I don't have the math off the top of my head, but I'm pretty sure that's like 80% of your snaps or something like that. 80% of your offensive plays, you're running the ball, which is literally unheard of. Um, Second of all, they need to find a wide receiver for Aaron Rodgers. Right now they have Devontae Adams. He's a stud. I think he's one of my favorite receivers in the league. Probably top. He's definitely a top five wide receiver, and he showed it every time he plays. Um, but right now, like you have no one outside of that. You have Jeronimo Allison. He's okay. Alan Lazard. He's like an okay guy. He's big, but he's not overly skilled. You got Marcus Valdez Scantling. I don't really know much about him because uh, he seemed to just completely fall off the planet. Um, what do you have? You really don't have much. And I think with the 30th pick in this year's draft, the Packers have to target a wide receiver. I actually had them picking A.J. Brown at the end of the first round last year. They didn't hit on that. They decided to uh, forego wide receiver. This year, I think they do. And maybe one player worth looking at is LaVisca Chenault, the big receiver, six foot two from Colorado. He has pretty good rackability. Uh, rack, rackability, rackability. That's a fun word to say, rackability. Yards after catch is what I'm trying to say. Yakability. Yards after catch, he's pretty good at that. You need to get another target for Aaron Rodgers because he's no longer the same Aaron Rodgers. He's still very much a good to a borderline elite quarterback, but he can no longer carry your team. And you don't want him to carry your team at all. He's done that for so many years. I think right now you have to focus on getting Aaron Rodgers another weapon on the outside. Third of all, and probably one of the most important as well, O-lineman for Aaron Rodgers. Like I said, you got to re-sign Brian Balaga. Do that 100% re-sign that man. Give him give him some money and maybe draft some O-line in the draft. Do whatever you can because the way you just got manhandled up front by the 49ers, there's lots of good D-lines in, that, uh, in the NFC. There, you got the four, uh, 49ers. You got the Vikings. You got the Eagles. You got uh, the Rams, Aaron Donald. You got... Lots of good D lines that can wreck the game, and if you the only way you can be a championship contender is if you have a strong O line to counter that. Anyway, the Packers this year, I'm impressed. I don't. I think if you told me back in August that the Packers would lose the NFC in the NFC Championship game, I'd say you were wrong. There's no way they're making it there, especially not with a rookie head coach. But here they are, Matt Lafleur, second year in the system. I think this offense, if they make the right moves. This offseason, after finally having a great free agency where they got great players in Desert, Zadeo Smith, Preston Smith, Adrian Amos, you're getting all these studs on your team. After a great spending offseason, I think they need to make the right moves, retain some guys, make some picks, and hopefully they'll be back in the NFC Championship and maybe even the Super Bowl next year. Now, moving on to the Titans, um, the Tennessee Titans lost 35 to 24 to the Kansas City Chiefs. And really, from what I heard, their locker room was completely broken. I mean, the way I see it, they were looking at themselves as, as the team of destiny. And 
it's very sad when you look at it. Like they thought they were it after literally beating the second, uh, the third seed, New England Patriots, former championships, uh, former Super Bowl winners, world champs. You go into their house, you beat them. That's literally unheard of. No one ever beats Tom Brady in New England. Then you move on to the first overall seed, to literally the probably the best team in the league this year. And you beat them, the Baltimore Ravens, in Baltimore. You beat the first seed. You beat the third seed. And now you're going to face the second seed. It would have been a miracle if they had won that. And they thought they were their team of destiny. And I I think every team thinks that this version of their team is the greatest version. And really it's sad to see that this group of guys may never be back. Um, Derrick Henry is a free agent. Tannehill is a free agent. Um... And really, like, it's just sad to see. However, if the Titans want to keep their window open, and I think they do because, 1A, they have a really good coach in Mike Vrabel. He's built a really good culture in that city, and it's something spectacular to see. Like, it's really, really cool to see. That is something great for them. First, they need to re-sign Ryan Tannehill. He is the quarterback for their team. I know some people are saying, you Ryan Tannehill, it's a one-off season. If it's working... You give him money, and I don't care. I think he probably gets a short, like, two-year prove-it deal. That's fine. Go for it. Um, maybe a three-year deal. I don't think he's going to get bonkers money, but he probably hover around, like, 25, 30, 25 to $27 million, I, I'd assume, somewhere around there. Uh, you give him his money, and you hope that he can duplicate it because the way I see it, Ryan Tannehill, it's a weird debate, like, um, dynamic for, like, Bartering, bartering, bartering. Oh, I can't think of the word. Bartering. We're going to use bartering. It's a weird way to negotiate, negotiate contracts. That's a much better word. What is wrong with me? Um, negotiate contracts because Ryan Tannehill has never been good. He finally has a breakout season. He wants to go back to the place that gave him a breakout season. Meanwhile, Tennessee literally made the AFC Championship game, and they did it with Ryan Tannehill. So they both obviously would want each other to be a part of their team. And it's just going to be interesting to see. I think this deal is 100% happening. More interesting deal, but Slice, not. I don't think he's leaving anywhere. Derrick Henry, the running back, I think he's probably going to get a record deal, probably near Zeke-level money, maybe even that $90 million. Um It's going to be interesting to say, see because he's the heart of this team, while Tannehill is like, sort of the thing that the final key yeah I like that analogy Ryan Tannehill is the key and Derrick Henry is the heart so you need both of them but Derrick Henry I think you need to re-sign Derrick Henry he's literally the face of your franchise almost that's one thing you need to keep those are two things that you very much need to do now finally I think just in general you need to add more talent if you're Tennessee you have to go out there draft some players get some players in free agency because right now I think your Super Bowl window is pretty wide open similar to Green Bay as in you literally you have a great coach that's that's the first thing you have a great coach you have pretty good offense you really you just need to find some more extra talent here and there like on your defensive side of the ball to help bolster your team because you need to be able to stop teams like Canton Chiefs from completely running over you Anyway, I mean, the Titans, great season to them. Hats off. Similar to the Packers. Like, I don't. If you told me the Titans were making the AFC Championship game, 
that's even crazier than the Packers making it. So hats off to them for making a ballsy move midway through the season to bench their, their franchise quarterback in Marcus Mariota and go a different direction. And really hats off. It's one of the greatest stories of the 2019 NFL season. Anyway, moving on. Um, I just want to quickly touch on the Super Bowl matchup. I mentioned it before, but the Super Bowl is going to be the Niners versus for, uh, San Francisco San Francisco 49ers versus Kansas City Chiefs. That's going to be, it's probably the best matchup we could have gotten this year, in all honesty. Maybe Niners and Ravens would have been similarly like gifted, but I think this is one of the best matchups you can get. Pat Mahomes is probably, I'd say he is the best quarterback in the NFL currently. You get one of the best rushing attack, uh, the best pure rushing attack, not like the quarterback runs, but the best pure rushing attack uh, in the in the league with the zone run game from the San Francisco 49ers. Um, I don't really have much to say about this game. Andy Reid, I hope he wins, 207 wins, former Eagles coach, so obviously I like him. Um, he has the most wins ever by a coach to not win a Super Bowl. I hope he changes that uh, in Feb- early February, and we'll see. I'll make another video predicting what I think will happen. I'm going to analyze it and just focus on it and see what happens. Now, moving on to something that happened literally, like I think, earlier today or yesterday. Today is January 23rd, a Thursday, a night. So I think this happened earlier today or maybe late on the 22nd on Wednesday. But there is currently a Donovan McNabb and Terrell Owens beef going on on Twitter. And this stems from a audio clip. I think it was a Bleacher Report uh, interview that McNabb gave where he quote-unquote says that T.O.'s antics broke up the uh, Eagles. And because of that, that's the reason they all fell apart and they never made the Super Bowl again. So, um, it's it's so odd. Uh, Terrell Owens responded on Twitter, and he was going after him, saying that uh, I played on a broken leg. Meanwhile, you're throwing up in the huddle, um, which Donovan McNabb sincerely denies. Uh, he denied it in the Bleacher Report article. It says there's no video footage. I wasn't even really, I was barely alive for that game, so I can't really say much about the 2004 Super Bowl. But, um... It's odd. The thing is, 15 years ago, the Nokia phone was the most popular phone, right? My 2003 Toyota Camry that I'm currently driving was two years old. I wasn't in school yet, me. Uh, Hurricane Katrina happened. 15 years. Right now, Tara Owens is 46 years old. Donovan McNabb is 43 years old. And they are bickering like children on Twitter, like babies. And very, really, it's just sad to see like these grown-up individuals are throwing shit at each other. Their relationship is obviously completely tattered. They have obviously nothing better to do if they keep throwing shit at each other over something that happened 15 years ago. Like this is literally like a third of your life ago. Like for both of these guys, move on. Like you don't have to like each other. You don't have to talk to each other, but just move on. It's not worth ta- something worth talking about. And as a fan right now of the Eagles, I don't give a crap about this beef at all. Like, it's stupid. I don't know why the media is even focusing on it. I guess because it's the two-week lull between the Super Bowl. But 
like find something better to talk about. I honestly don't care. I want to focus on the new era of Eagles football. I don't really care about this Donovan McNabb, Terrell Owens beef that happened 15 years ago that's currently still going and they're being babies and fighting about it in Twitter and not even in real life. Like, it's just idiotic. Um, so uh, Owens said that he said that um, McNabb vouched for Brian Westbrook and not T.O. Uh, and I think the thing is, T.O. doesn't really need to be vouched for. He has all the stats. He's the best wide receiver in the game that season. So, like, he doesn't need anything, anyone to vouch for him. Like, his stats tell this full story. Um, this is really on the GM, Joe Banner, I believe his name was at that time. He should have resigned to Owens. I really think that would have stopped this idiotic beef from continuing, and it really would have fixed the Eagles. And who knows, he might have made us another Super Bowl. I mean, the man played on a broken leg and was the best receiver in the game for those seasons, and you didn't pay him, which is just idiotic. Um, moving on to something similar about this, Brian Westbrook, a man I completely respect, the guy who was just talked about by a T.O. in that Twitter rant. He says that one of the greatest things he... One of the saddest things he couldn't do in his career was bring those two men together, Terrell Owens and Donovan McNabb. And I just want to say, listening to the, um, I think it was first take. It's the it's the thing with Nick Wright and Chris Carter, the sports show. Um, Brian Westbrook is such a well, a well spoken person. Like I hope he gets his own show. Like the fact is, he's something I someone I really really enjoy listening to, and. He's just well-spoken. Like, the way he's saying this, he's literally like, I feel bad because I was too young and too immature and I couldn't bring these two men together. It's the greatest failure of my career. He's turning the whole story upside down and focusing it on himself and taking blame for something that he doesn't need to take blame for. And I don't know. I just It just makes me like Brian Westbrook significantly more. Um, So, yeah. um, We're going to move on. Um... Yesterday, what day is it today? Thursday? Yep. Yesterday, New York Giants, longtime New York Giants quarterback, Eli Manning, retired. Um, And as much as I hate to say it, and he shouldn't be a Hall of Famer, but he also is a Hall of Famer, oddly enough. And again, as an Eagles fan, I have a weird dynamic. I don't really, I respect Eli, but I also think he just wasn't a good player. That being said, he only had like 10 wins against us his entire career, so that's probably skewed as to why I think he's bad because he just played bad against us consistently. But he, I think he's a Hall of Famer for a few reasons. Eli Manning's longevity, his ability to stay healthy, was literally remarkable. The man started 210 consecutive regular season games. 210 consecutive that's almost unheard of. That's second all-time to Brett Favre, who was the definition of an Iron Man, 297 games. And I just want to say, 210 games is literally th- over 13 seasons. He played 13 straight seasons, and that's literally the second best of all time. And the fact is, if someone's that healthy, and he put up good numbers statistically, good passing yards, I think he finished top 10, Good passing touchdowns, all that. Threw way too many picks, but he, that will get overlooked for sure. Um, he was an Iron Man, and that's literally something that's very, very 
underlooked. Started 13 straight seasons. That that's just not that's something that will definitely carry you to the Hall of Fame. And a bigger part of his career, um, the Super Bowl wins. He beat the undefeated uh, 18 win 18 and 0 Patriots. He beat them in the Super Bowl. Um, as a nine and seventeen, probably the biggest surprise run of all time, the crazy, cra- uh, crazy um, helmet catches, all of that. Eli Manning, he beat the forty, uh, he beat the Patriots once, ruined their undefeated season, and then he beat them again like a couple years later, in pretty much the same way. Miracle, miracle touchdown throws down the sideline, like miracle catches. It's crazy. Eli had a knack to beat the Patriots, and I think. The fact is, I don't think you can tell this modern era, this decade, the last two decades of football, I don't think you can tell the story without mentioning Eli Manning, which is what I think is a, a good benchmark for a Hall of Fame quarterback. Like, If we look at other Hall of Famers, um, potential Hall of Famers, some people think Tony Romo is a Hall of Famer, um, and I think he has the numbers, but does he really have the narrative? I think he might get in eventually, but... Eli Manning's probably a first ballot Hall of Famer versus Tony Romo. Like I feel like you can tell the story of the last two decades, and you don't really think of Tony Romo. Um, Philip Rivers, similarly, I think he has the numbers. He'll probably eventually get in similarly, but I think you can tell the story of the NFL without mentioning Philip Rivers. I think the whole idea that this player, you can tell the story of football, and you're forced to mention them, that's the biggest reason why I think someone's a Hall of Famer. Tom Brady, you, 100%, you can't mention it without talking about him. Peyton Manning, same thing. Same thing with Big Ben. I feel like um, Calvin Johnson. These are players who literally you, you have to talk about them. And I feel like if you have to talk about a player and they help define a certain era of football, then they're 100% a Hall of Famer. And that is why I think Eli Manning with the longevity and the two iconic Super Bowl wins against the New England Patriots who have won six Super Bowls in the last two decades. I think that alone is a great story to tell. Now, uh, last week, longtime uh, linebacker for the Carolina Panthers, Luke Keekley, retired at the age of 29. He finishes with five all pros and seven pro bowlers uh pro bowls he won defensive rookie of the year um and defensive player of the year once and i feel it's just it's a sad thing to see him retire retires at the age of 28 sorry not the age of 29 i think he's turning 29 later this uh next season um and it's a very interesting trend i think First of all, Luke Keekley, great player. I think he's a Hall of Famer. I think you can't, like I just said in the last segment, like you can't define talk about football in this last decade without mentioning him. I think I think he makes it in. Just the sheer fact is, he was dominant. Five All Pros. It's literally almost unheard of for someone who doesn't make the Hall of Fame. He is one hundred percent making it in. Um, I think he's gonna go into coaching. And I think he'll be a good coach. Reports came out earlier today that he's looking at into the coaching aspect. And I think he'll be a great coach just because he wasn't the most physically overwhelming person. He was only like 6'1", 
maybe like 240 or whatever. He he wasn't the fastest. He was still a wicked athlete, don't get me wrong. But he's not the craziest athlete. His obviously his greatest talent was knowing the play uh, the the play offense was going to run before it and he'd always run it down and he'd know exactly what was happening. The smarts and the whole idea that the way he understood the game. I think that's why Luke Keekley will be a great coach. And I hope he does become a go, uh, a coach somewhere this year cuz I think football is everything he's ever had and it's something it's going to be cool to see him win as a coach and be a good coach which I think he will be. Now moving on to the a greater overall discussion. The last 5 years uh maybe a little bit longer with Patrick Willis, a uh, longtime 49ers linebacker. But we've had 5 big players, six big players now, including, wait, seven, I mean, I can't count. We've had seven big players, superstar players in their, uh, at their positions, retire at seemingly pretty young ages. I think the oldest one on here is 31. So going on, Luke Keekley, okay? Luke Keekley, it's actually six players, not seven. Luke Keekley retires at the age of 28, 29, whatever he is right now. He's uh, he's earned $64 million over his career. Uh, Andrew Luck, the, a longtime Indianapolis Colts quarterback, retires also at the age of 29, $109 million uh, earned. Navarro Bowman, longtime 49ers linebacker, he retired last season uh, at the age of 30, $44 million. Patrick Williams, Phyllis, uh, also a longtime 49ers linebacker, helped uh, almost won that Super Bowl in 2012. He retired at the age of 29, $42.5 million. Calvin Johnson, longtime Detroit Lions uh, wide receiver. He probably wouldn't have retired at the Lions weren't so mediocre, but that's besides the point. Retired at the age of 31, $114 million, which uh, that was pretty crazy that he earned that much money from football. He earned more money than Andrew Luck did. Granted, he played a couple more years, but he played at wide receiver versus quarterback, and I think I didn't realize Calvin Johnson made that much money. Um, and finally, New England Patriots tight end Rob Gronkowski retired at the age of 29, $53 million. So we're seeing a pretty big trend of players who are retiring at the end of their second contracts. After usually after their rookie contracts tend to be smaller, and then they get a big second contract, and they're retiring after that. And I think it's a cool trend to see. Like, obviously, as a fan of football, I don't want to see these guys retire. But it'll be interesting to see this, like, superstar players, once they make bank and they they make enough money to be set for life, whether or not they still keep playing the game that they love, knowing that the injury risks, knowing that the CTE risks. I mean, you look at Antonio Brown, the man clearly has some sort of brain uh, things going on. He needs help, and I don't think these guys want to risk that. And it, it, it's very cool to see. I mean, not cool, but it, it's interesting. Like, you got Andrew Luck retiring in the in his prime. Luke Keekley pretty much in his prime. Navarro Bowman probably tailing off a little bit, but he still could have played some high-level football. Patrick Willis, literally in his prime. Calvin Johnson, probably nearly, nearing the end of his prime, but still an amazing player. Rob Gronkowski at his prime. And one thing that's common with all these players is all of them were injured or playing hurt or playing sore. Andrew Luck, lacerated kidney, broken collarbone, literally couldn't throw a football for over a year. Luke Keekley, concussions over and over again. The man, I hope he has no brain damage because I want to see him coach and, and be great at it. Navarro Bowman, 
I, I forget what he has, but he has like ankles, hamstrings, lower like uh, lower body injuries co- consistently over his career. Patrick Willis retired after an injury-ridden season where he didn't play that uh, as much as he probably could have with uh, due to injuries. Retired with because of that. Calvin Johnson, he said his body couldn't handle it anymore. I think that's nonsense because of the Lions, but I, I also can't say anything because he probably was sore all the time from playing football, and he was hurting, and he retired because his body couldn't handle it anymore. Then Gronk collapsed along by the Earl Thomas hit, torn ACLs, broken arms. He had an arm brace on for literally his entire career as long as I watched him. All these guys, six players, all of them had some sort of injury history. All of them made bank. All of them were superstars. And all of them retired early. So it'll be it's going to be interesting to see what some future players might do. Uh, no running backs, interestingly. Main, we got three linebackers, two skill positions, and a quarterback. Um, It'll be cool to see what players like Carson Wentz do in the future. Someone who I hate to see it, but say it, but as an Eagles fan, he's been injured. I don't think he's certainly injury prone, but he's gotten injured. And we'll see after he's just got his big contract. We'll see what happens with him. Other big players like Cam Newton. Right now, he's been injured. He was a stud. He's made bank as well. We'll see if he retires. I don't think he does. But tracking this trend to see what happens with quarterbacks. Andrew Luck. Hopefully he didn't set up path for, as someone who's loved the game, I'd, I want to watch all these players play and don't retire early. And it, it's hurting the sport, that the fact that they do retire. But it, they're all safeguarding their health, knowing that they're set for life and they're keeping their minds intact. And that's something worth respecting. Now, finally, the last thing I want to talk about today. It's not something I want to talk about, but it's something I think that needs to be talked about. Antonio Brown, um, in all in all seriousness, I feel bad for this man, completely bad. I know he's starting Twitter wars with Stephen A. Smith, who is iconic. I love Stephen A., but that's besides the point. He's now has an arrest warrant out for him. His trainer just got arrested. He's not cooperating with police. He was throwing profanity at... Um, at these cops, he's going on Twitter rants all the time, going off on people, and I think I'm obviously not a media member because I'm I'm just doing this podcast for fun because I want to. But I think as a whole, the media has to stop talking about Antonio Brown. Um, I think he's he want he needs the attention, and he keeps on acting out and he keeps on doing whatever he can to get that attention. And we keep giving it to him, and he keeps on doing it over and over again. It's like a positive feedback loop. Every time you you feed him more, he always wants more, and he keeps doing more, and we keep giving, we keep um, covering it more, and he keeps on going. It's not a healthy cycle for him. Um, it's just very sad to see someone's career fall off that quickly, and really, I he probably has CT. He probably has some sort of mental things going on. And I, I just really want to end this show off by saying if you're struggling with some sort of mental health, if you're struggling with anything, please get help. Um, this is completely off script. I haven't thought about this at all. But I just saw um, an Antonio Brown tweet, and I wanted to just talk about it. Um, just do something. Try to get therapy. Try to do whatever you can. 
because it's, it's sad to see people break down this bad. Anyway, on that depressing note, um, I think that's all I have for today. Um, hopefully we'll be back with another guest next episode. If not, well, it's going to be me again. I'm going to try to keep this podcast going for as long as I can. Thank you. Um, leave a review on whatever you listen to. Um, listen to this on. Follow us on Instagram or whatever. You know, the normal stuff. Um, yeah, I'm excited for future football. Um, the draft is coming up. Probably going to start watching some of these players and do my first film analysis that I've ever done. So like, that, should be, that should be fun. Anyway, that's all I have to say. Um, thank you and peace out. Bye.